Hello and welcome back to Beyond Boards, a podcast dedicated to the actions and interests of skaters beyond skateboarding. My guest today, Leo Valtz, was one of the very first people who agreed to do an interview with me when I started this project a year and a half ago. But for many reasons, we weren't able to make it happen until today. Leo has become throughout the years a sort of skateboarding mayor of the city of Bordeaux, France, where he grew up and where he keeps developing skate urbanism initiatives, which are inspiring many other cities around the world. One of the earliest pros on magenta skateboards, he has also recently become a father, he is a yoga enthusiast under the influence of his wife Lauren, and at 36 years old his skating is more creative than ever, showing no signs of slowing down anytime soon. So let's get right into it. This is my conversation with Leo Valls. I hope you'll enjoy it. Thank you very much, Leo, for having me in your house today in Bordeaux. Pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you for coming to Bordeaux. Thank you for coming all the way to my living room, actually. <laughs> exactly. To yeah. record this interview. In a very hot and uh, sweaty Bordeaux. It's a hot day, yeah. <laughs> a hot day in August. End of yeah. August. So usually I start the interviews with just a basic question, which is how did you find skateboarding? So I know that you grew up in Bordeaux, well, actually in Bruges, which is right next to it. So can you tell me about growing up and finding skateboarding and picking up a skateboard, basically? Sure. Well, um, yeah, I grew up in the Bordeaux area, in a small town next to Bordeaux called Bruges, uh, like the city uh, in Belgium, but it's uh, actually a small town next to Bordeaux. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it wasn't much to do in Bruges, you know, so... I was playing soccer, I was being just an average little kid, you know, drawing, playing soccer, all that stuff. And eventually I ran into skateboarding. And uh, my first encounter with skateboarding, uh, I was waiting, I was kind of bored in front of my parents' house in an afternoon. And I saw a Rasta pushing in the middle of the street on a skateboard, jumping over a manhole. And uh -huh. he, ga he gave me kind of like a, a bad look, you know, and, <laughs> and he disappeared and I never saw the guy again. But yeah, I remember I was super stoked and impressed by uh, the amount of freedom that this guy expressed. Oh, know? yeah, yeah. So quickly after I uh, picked a skateboard, I realized it was uh, way more difficult than I thought. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, just uh, stick with it, you know. Okay. So you started skating. So how old were you at that point? Like a I teenager? Was 12 or 13. And actually, my, uh, my neighbor was Grégoire Grange, who's currently the director of the local organization in Bordeaux called Board O. Yes. Uh, like a board and the letter O. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and Grégoire uh, is, is 10 years older than me. And okay. uh, he was living right next to my parents' house with his parents. And uh, he's kind of the guy who introduced me to skating. And uh, he would give me VHS tapes about him skating around the sidewalks of Bruges and Bordeaux. And uh, I thought he was super impressive. And, and then he gave, I remember he gave me copies of uh, VHS tapes of uh, 411 videos mm -hmm. and he had mm -hmm. all the first 411 videos and that really introduced me to skateboarding i started watching 411 videos and then i got really into skateboard videos from a young age yeah. and uh i remember my parents had this computer 
And I started downloading all the skateboard videos I could find mm -hmm. online. And I just watched everything over and over yeah. again on repeat. You know, uh -huh, everything uh -huh. I could find from the zero videos of yeah. like people in California skating big handrails to the Eastern exposure videos to all the, you know, logic, 411, like puzzle, all mm -hmm. the... Like, Everything you to could watch find. everything, yeah. you know, like to the old school videos, like the stuff from the 80s and stuff. And mm -hmm. that's really what uh, gave me my first uh, skateboard culture, you know, it's just yeah. skate videos and, and kind of geeking on it and, mm -hmm. uh, and downloading as much videos as possible. You just mentioned Eastern Exposure and I know that the FTC videos as well were a big right. uh, influence on you. Yes. So tell me about finding those videos and, and how they resonated more to you than maybe some of the other videos that you were watching. Well, now that I think about it, uh, I believe that watching these videos back then was a way for me to travel. Mm -hmm. And I remember really being um, kind of studying the backgrounds where the skaters yeah. were skating. The scenery around them. The scenery. And I remember watching like Penal Code 101A, like you know, the old FTC video mm -hmm. and, and seeing the San Francisco hills with the Victorian houses and stuff. And uh, I thought it looked fantastic. It looked completely different from where I was from. Yeah. And then watching Eastern Exposure or like, you know, like Ricky Oyola skating yeah. in, uh, in Philadelphia, it looked completely different. And then the European videos looked different also. So for me, it was kind of a way to be like, oh, wow, like Barcelona looks like this. Mm -hmm. and New York City looks like that, you know, and San Francisco looks totally different, you know, like, oh, Australia has different type of vibe and architecture. Yeah. And in a way, for me, it was a way to travel because yeah. I, I didn't travel much when I was, uh, when I was well, yeah. a kid before I, I got really into skateboarding and traveling by myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that was actually a, a key moment for me to, to make me want to travel with my skateboard and, and right. go towards people and meet people, you know. Uh -huh. And so, for example, the Eastern Exposure videos, why would you say that they, they resonated more for you than, for example, a Zero video? What uh, made them more appealing maybe to you? I think it's, uh, I mean, I, from a young age, I, I got really into jazz and funk music. Oh, yeah? mm -hmm. uh, my dad is a big uh, fan of jazz music. So, you know, I grew up surrounded by jazz. Yeah. And yeah, I guess the FTC videos or the, the New York videos kind of, they had more like this vibe, you yeah. know? So I remember also watching skate videos because of the music a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like when the, For I sure. found a track that I really liked, I would yeah. like actually play it. Listen to it on repeat. I would listen yeah. to it through the skate video. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So it was, yeah, I think it was a way to travel, a way to discover music as well, and uh, just a way to integrate this, uh, this skateboarding culture that's yeah. actually so rich. Oh, yeah. If you watch it from a global scale, you know, it's For sure. actually insane. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Before we started recording this, you told me about your parents. I was just curious to know, so your dad is a sociologist, right? And yeah. And your mom is or was a, th a therapist. And so I was just curious to know, how, how did they perceive skateboarding when you first started? And were they kind of uh, receptive to it? Were they encouraging? Or, and, and perhaps how has their perception evolved to today where you're a professional skateboarder and you've been living, doing this for a while now? Yeah, well, yeah, my mom is a psychologist and my father is a psychosociologist, actually. Okay. So I guess at first they were kind of confused because mm -hmm. it's not their culture. Oh, well, yeah. But quickly, and especially my dad, they understood what he meant. Mm -hmm. And I think my dad got the idea that, you know, it's kind of like school life to be out yeah. in the streets all day, just spending time, you know, like exploring cities and meeting people and talking with all kind of different people when you're a yeah. kid, like spending, getting kicked out by rich people, like getting kicked out by the police, talking with homeless people in the streets or like, you yeah. know, 
all type of different interactions. And I mm -hmm. think he, he found that quite interesting. Mm -hmm. And then through the years, he understood the skateboarding culture and he's, he's very supportive of, of what I'm doing now. Okay. But I think it took a couple of years, yeah. Yeah, for them to adjust and understand it better. I think so. But they were, they were opened, you know, they, okay. were, they were down with it, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so tell me about maybe the first travels that you did outside of Bordeaux and outside of France, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so I know that you met your wife in San Francisco. And mm -hmm. I think I'm not sure if it was your first time in the US, but I, I guess it was your first time in San Francisco. But uh, yeah, tell me about traveling and skating, because obviously it's become such a, a big part of you and, and your life. And yeah, you well, after after discovering all these videos, like yeah. I said, I got really into the actual act of traveling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, the first trip I took to America, I decided it was kind of like flipping a coin and being like should I go to the east coast or should I go to the west oh, yeah. coast mm -hmm. and uh, I ended up going to San Francisco okay. uh, because of these old FTC videos you know yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah I met a lot of cool skaters in San Francisco it got me really into uh, skating fast mm -hmm. you know actually yeah. like bombing the hills and learning how to skate fast and yeah. uh, and uh, learning how to appreciate simplicity over over technical yeah. stuff you know right And uh, and yeah, I met uh, Lauren, my my wife, in a cafe one morning in uh, in San Francisco and Hayden Ashbury actually, okay. which is a famous uh, crossing path in San Francisco near the Golden Gate Park. And yeah, the rest is history. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been <laughs> many years now. Yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. So we lived in America. We got married. We lived in yeah. America for a few years, and then eventually we moved to Japan for a bit, right. and then we moved back to France to Bordeaux, and we've been uh, we've been in Bordeaux since. I want to ask you about Japan in a second, but um, I was just uh, wondering, how did sponsors start happening for you? Because you've been skating for Magenta for a long time now, since mm. it started in 2010, I think. But what kind of boards were you skating before that? And were you already getting shoes or other skateboarding gear from other brands? It came very organically. I wasn't planning to be a sponsored skater or to become a pro skater at all. Back in the day, at least when I started skating, it seemed impossible to make a living with skateboarding without doing competitions or without skating like in a gnarly way, if I, if yeah. I can say, like yeah, jumping yeah. down big stuff, you know. Sure. And I, I wasn't into that from the get-go. I was, I liked tech ledge skating, you know, mm -hmm. and, and then I got really into more like cruisy, surfy, creative skating, yeah. if I can say. But uh, yeah, it just happened organically, you know, I started shooting photos uh, for Sugar magazine yeah, yeah. and filming videos with my friends at mm -hmm. home. And yeah, I got contacted by uh, David Coolio who uh, oh, was yeah. doing Metropolitan Skateboards and uh, they started sending me boards and then I got a shop sponsor. Samir Krim uh, was running yes. uh, iPath in, uh, in oh, France okay. and he, he was sending me shoes. So I was really yeah. stoked because I was uh, next to, uh, I was in the same same team as Soy and I was a, yeah. a huge yep. uh, Soy fan of course. already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, and I really liked iPath and the whole, like, you know, roots. I didn't like, know you skated for iPath. Okay. Yeah, just for a yeah. little bit, kind of like flow, flow style, you know. Cool. And then, yeah, I started producing more content. And actually, I'm going to be talking about Japan a little bit. But yeah, yeah, go ahead. My good friend I grew up with, Masaki Wii. Yes. Who's yes. also uh, mm -hmm. from, uh, from Bordeaux. We, we grew up skating together. Uh -huh. He had, uh, he's half French, half Japanese. So mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. he had family in Japan. And uh, he was like, okay, let's go to Japan and uh, let's go and skate and make videos and connect with people. So we went to Japan with a small crew. We stayed for a few weeks with his family, which was culturally like overwhelming, oh, yeah. super, sure. super great and yep. eye-opening on many levels. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, during this trip, we see that there is a big, um, a big video premiere in Japan. It was 2008. Okay. It was 14 years ago. Yeah. Yep. And uh, we go to this premiere, the big theater, mm -hmm. and it's actually the premiere of Overground Broadcasting, a big video that Takahiro Morita made for yep. FESN. We had no idea what it was back mm -hmm. then, but we mm -hmm. just we showed up and we watched this uh, hour and a half skate movie. Yeah, it's very long, right? I, that's I saw filmed it years ago, but yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that's filmed all around the world, and that ends with this super iconic part from Gomiyagi, and then the the Nakano headquarters video section with the crazy pool table thing. So okay. we were at the premiere of this. It was mm -hmm. a huge theater in Japan with over like a thousand people in there, like insane, wow, really? like wow. freaking out, screaming. <laughs> Okay. And I remember being there just like almost crying, being like, holy wow. shit, skateboarding is insane. It's so <laughs> beautiful. You can, it can take so many different shapes. It's yeah. so interesting, you know, like, mm -hmm. and I was especially fascinated back then already by how different uh, styles can uh, happen, can develop yeah. in different parts of the world, mm -hmm. depending on the cultural and architectural backgrounds yes. of skaters. Right, right, And right. being in Japan, watching this Japanese skate video, mm -hmm. I really, like, it really you hit me strongly, better. you know? Yeah. I was like, mm -hmm. damn, like, skateboarding is infinite. Yeah. And actually, it's the most free thing you can do. Like, you can, it's just a tool that, help, that allows you to travel, to connect, but also to develop your own style and to be yourself and really, yeah. like, research who you are instead mm -hmm. of, trying to copy like what's happening yeah. already or trying to you know be politically correct which is what actually unfortunately a lot of skaters still do yeah. nowadays but that's just part of it you know mm -hmm. and uh, this time 2008 the premiere of uh, Overground was a huge uh, eye, opener. Click eye opener for me I yeah. remember going out of there and being like I couldn't sleep for a few days I was just <laughs> like damn like skateboarding is insane yeah. I like really want to create and I became since that day I became addicted to uh, creating to producing content footage and always researching like you know this idea of who am I really what do I want to say in skateboarding yeah. what what do I want to live you know in yeah. in this uh, culture and uh, and who do I want to meet who do I want to connect with because you know there, there are so many different crews that mm -hmm. are doing amazing powerful uh, unique stuff in yeah. their own town in their own uh, countries yeah, yeah and uh yeah since 2008 i've been obsessed basically mm -hmm. yeah how long did you stay in japan so you, I, I guess you went there multiple times but uh, at some point you even lived there for a bit right yeah so i went there 11 times 11 wow yeah okay. i was trying to go there every year because okay. Actually, from this trip, we became friends with uh, the Fat Bros uh, crew. Yeah, okay. Who's also the, the skate shop uh, Marita rides for. And so um, we started going like once or twice a year to build projects with Japanese skaters. And, uh, and for us, it was really a way to, uh, to also get inspired and develop our own identity, especially in France or in Bordeaux. You know, it was even before Magenta. For me, I was still like finding my, my, yes. my style, what I wanted, figuring yeah. out what I wanted to do, yeah. you know. And for me, like Japan was really, it, it gave me a strength to do that, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was going many times and I actually became friends with uh, many Japanese skaters who yeah. are super, super friendly, you know. And it's funny, by the way, because, you know, Japanese people don't really open their homes even to their yeah. own friends. Like in Japan, yeah. like you don't really go to your friend's house. But with skating, we would actually go and stay at people's homes for like weeks, months, yeah. you know, and just skate together every night and, and work on projects together and stuff. It was, it was super sick. Yeah. And eventually... Um, 
becoming friends with Morita like that. He, he offered me to skate for his clothing company, yes. uh, Lib, yep. which is under FESN. And uh, yeah, he invited me to come to Japan and stay, uh, stay at his uh, second home because he had a second home. And oh, right. I, I remember you talked about this in the Big Spin interview, right? Yeah. He's, uh, at least at that time, he had a girlfriend with whom he, he was his living. Wife, yeah. His wife. They have a home and he has another home. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like a bachelor pad, kind of. <laughs> Maybe. <something. laughs> okay. But anyways, yeah, we went. It was, it was useful for you? It yeah. was wonderful, yeah. He yeah. invited uh, Lauren and I, so we went together. She mm -hmm. got a job as uh, an English teacher for little Japanese babies, like uh, okay. straight off the plane. And uh, yeah, I was uh, doing... Uh, videos and skating with Morita and with his yeah. friends and that was that was a great experience yeah that's when we filmed uh, actually his last video um, his last full-end video that's called uh, beyond the broadcasting that okay. came out uh, in 2020 and uh, basically Morita asked me to film a part during in seven days Wow. In seven mornings, actually, only in Nakano, which is kind of a residential neighborhood in Japan, okay. in Tokyo, which not many spots. It's mostly like streets and houses, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, his idea was uh, that I would film a part being like completely free of anything I wanted to do and only in this neighborhood. So his uh, Shigeta, his uh, filmer assistant, would wait for me at the Nakano train station at 5.55 a.m. every morning for seven <laughs> days. Okay. And yeah, we made it happen. We we filmed that, and uh, I, I, I haven't <laughs> seen experience. this part. Yeah, I need to check it out. What did you say the name of well, the video? The it's video called was? Beyond the Broadcasting. But you know what? With Japanese uh, skaters, the thing is they don't really put stuff online. Oh, okay. They like to produce DVDs and keep oh, their, yeah, yeah, their yeah. video production kind, kind of secret. Of or kind of, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people don't watch it. But if you want to okay. know, you can know. You know, if you want yeah. if you want to find out, you can. I can order it online, maybe. For sure. But yeah. it's just you know, it's not like uh, on YouTube somewhere. Not okay. really. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Some That's stuff cool. are, but not a lot of Japanese yeah. stuff is not online. Yeah. Okay. And uh, how was it skating over there? Um, I mean, it's probably difficult to generalize from all the experiences you've had over there, but how have you found skating over there uh, compared to maybe California or, or Europe? I understand that you skated a, a lot during the nights because I think in Japan, especially maybe in Tokyo, it's more difficult to skate during the day because you get kicked out a lot. Yeah. So yeah, tell me about well, skating over there. The first thing that really that I got really interested in in Japan was um, the perception of Japanese skaters mm -hmm. towards skating. They value the level of a skater more through style and personality and uh, individual self-expression right. more than on like doing hard, difficult, gnarly yeah. tricks. So it's more subtle. Mm -hmm. They value skateboarding also way more on the, the act of searching for spots, yeah. finding your own spots, uh, yeah. building your own vibe of, or your own identity behind your skating. So all of that stuff was super inspiring because that's, mm -hmm. that's something that really resonated yeah. with me, you know, for and sure. something I wanted to do. It just seemed more natural with who I am and where I'm from and uh, what I wanted to do in life, you know. So yeah, I got really inspired by that and, uh, and I'm thankful for all the Japanese homies that I met for, for teaching me uh, a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, other than that, the skating in Japan is hard. Yeah, you get kicked out a lot. You have to skate at night. You spend long nights outside in the streets and uh, you get chased by the police a lot. I ended up getting, uh, I can tell you a little story, but one morning it was 6 a.m. In Tokyo? Or? In Tokyo. Yeah. 6 a.m. we are filming and uh, one police car comes and it, they tell us we cannot skate. And I was the only foreigner. I was the okay. only gaijin, like they say. Okay. I was only with Japanese skaters. 
I didn't have my passport with me because you know you're skating in Tokyo. Oh, yeah. You don't really want to keep your passport in your in your, your pocket, pocket or, you know. Yeah, yeah. But they come and they start freaking out because I don't have my passport. And then okay. another cop car shows up and another one, another one. It's like five police cars like surrounding okay. me and they're all freaking out because I don't have my passport. And uh, I was, I think, 50 minutes away driving from uh, the apartment I was staying. Oh, at. yeah. Okay. And they decide to uh, drive home, to drive where I'm staying, okay. just to check out my passport. Okay, okay. So I'm like, damn, police in Japan, they really don't have much to do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a wall, like four or five cars driving me home. Wow, escorting you. <laughs> escorting me back home. Actually, yeah. I was a little tired, so it was kind of nice to go home, you know? It's kind of like free taxi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so they take me back to the crib. And I remember when I opened the the door yeah they all jump in the apartment start searching like looking under the the, the oh, couches wow. the pillows and stuff try to look for drugs oh, okay okay and i kind of stood there and i'm like guys like you cannot do that you know i mm. tell them this is this yeah. is not okay yeah. and they all look at me they apologize and they leave the apartment without even asking yes for yes your and they again? wait in front asking for the passport oh, okay, so okay. i'm like this yeah. is weird i get the passport show the passport to the, the police officer right, who was right. a, a, a lady. She looks at the passport and she sees that I'm French and she becomes super nice. And she's like, <laughs> oh, France, I love Mont Saint-Michel. And she <laughs> tells me about Mont Saint-Michel, which is a place in France yeah, that Japanese famous, people really yeah. like. You know? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that was this type <laughs> of stories, you know, and you're just completely like yeah, so confusing. Blown, yeah. like, What's happening here? So strange. Know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it must be quite a cultural shock, I guess. Uh, For yeah. sure. I've never been, but uh, it must be pretty fascinating. But it's also super interesting <laughs> on many other levels, you know, even yeah. with, with history, with you, you, you speak with uh, all the Japanese people about, even if, uh, about World War II and what happened, yeah. you know, it's, they don't have the same vision as, uh, as us as Occidentals, you yes. know, that's different. So mm -hmm. that's, that's very interesting. Gives you, like, you can really take a step back and see your own culture, the American yeah. culture also, like, from, like mm -hmm. differently, you know. Yeah, and, and it's interesting what you mentioned also that uh, because you're, you're a skateboarder, you were able to integrate the Japanese society, so to speak, more easily than if you were just a regular... Uh, I mean, of course, as a skater, I feel like you, you get quicker, faster, connected yeah. to local cultures. Yeah, just exactly. because you spend so much time in the streets, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Uh, like spending time outside, like watching what's happening, like interacting, talking with people. So, mm. yeah, I think so. We mentioned Magenta before. I, w I wanted to ask you about how you started getting hooked up by them. And I think you were one of the very first writers with uh, Vivian and Soy, who were the founders, I guess. Right. And you've become kind of, I want to say, the main face of Magenta, even though you're not the only writer, of course. There's oh, no. a lot of incredible writers over there. But you've definitely been a driving force for the brand. So, yeah, I wanted to ask you about how it started and how, how you've seen it evolve because it's, it's been 12 years. Mm. I just had Soy on the podcast recently nice and um, i hope it was funny yeah yeah, yeah. You'll, <laughs> you'll listen to it you'll see <laughs> but yeah so i wanted to ask you how how has it been those last 12 years of skating for magenta yeah so thankful for everything that happened but yeah basically like i said i was skating for metropolitan for a right. couple of years really good friends with uh, david coolio and everyone over there you know so i was super happy to be on board with this company i really liked also the art direction and stuff yep. And then Soy calls me, I met Vivian and I knew Soy for a few years, like he already invited me to stay with him in Paris and 
really opened my eyes also on, on more like cruisy free skateboarding yeah. you know where mm -hmm. like you don't really have any rules you can skate the way you want and it's a lot about the connection with the city more than trying to do a harder trick than yeah. your neighbor you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i was really uh into this and uh, and uh, looking up to to these guys yeah and vivian from the first day i met him i, I understood he was a very smart uh, a smart cookie you know he was uh, a <laughs> yeah quite intelligent character mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, one day Soy called me and he's like, hey, we're going to start this brand with Vivian. What do you say? Do you want to be part of it? So obviously I was honored, but I didn't know what I was uh, getting myself into. Yeah. And then the brand started. They dropped this video called the Microcosm. I filmed the part four and Vivian had a really cool part also. Uh -huh. uh, Soy had a, a fantastic part. And I, what I liked a lot about the video is that the, the video started with the friend section, which really, you know, made sense to me to like... yeah. Start give back to all the homies mm -hmm. and you yeah. know so yeah and then uh, I just uh, it was a huge motivation for me to keep on traveling and doing projects for Magenta and uh, developing the brand and helping them out with uh, video contents and uh, trips yeah. and uh, connections also with other skaters and uh, There are so many memories. We did so many insane trips from uh, like from Australia to Dubai to all around Europe to America and Japan and mm -hmm. yeah, Magenta is just for me just uh, the perfect fit, the perfect yeah. skate company. You know, like yeah, it's yeah, about yeah. being an individual. It's about expressing yourself. Mm -hmm. There is a strong uh, artistic uh, uh, identity identity mm -hmm. behind it, and yeah. uh, and also what I really like is that it's a hundred percent street skating. Yeah. Like you're never going to yeah. see a, a footage outside of the streets in a magenta yeah. video, you know, the magenta yeah, yeah, yeah. anything, you know, it's, mm -hmm. we perceive skateboarding as a, a, a game of the streets. You know, for us, skateboarding is about interacting with uh, the streets, with the city, mm -hmm. with the mm -hmm. architecture. And that's, that's how it has been. That's how it will be always, you know, so, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. It told me that you help. I don't know if you do it for every video, but that you help for editing a little bit. Oh yeah, I love editing yeah. videos. Yeah, right. So I wanted to ask you about that. Like, did you start editing when you started collaborating with them, or were you no, already at the editing videos? Or? Not at the beginning. I wasn't okay. editing, and then I realized I really uh, I realized the, the the power that you have with uh, images and how you can edit the same footage in very many different ways. You know, yep. and you can bring a different message. Sure, is the way you edit some footage. Yeah. But yeah, I like editing videos and mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm stuck to edit videos for Magenta. Some of the videos I like to edit were, for example, Just Cruise. I really yep, liked yep. editing Just Cruise because mm -hmm. Just Cruise, like Zach Chamberlain came to Bordeaux uh, with all the Magenta team and uh, he filmed a lot of atmosphere footage. He was not just filming skate tricks. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Like, so basically, when editing Just Cruise, we had twice as many atmosphere clips oh, than yeah. skate tricks. Yeah. So it was really fun to edit because you can really like try to uh, tell a story with yeah, all exactly. that stuff. It was really fun to edit uh, or contribute to the edit of Soleil Levant. The, the oh, yeah, video yeah. also was, uh, mm -hmm. was interesting. And uh, Old Whoop's New Groove also mm -hmm, mm -hmm. was a fun one to edit. We'll talk about that uh, newest project you're working on, but yeah. are you going to help with the editing of the, n the next video? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And so this is kind of a random question, but uh, since we're on sponsors, I was just curious to ask you about your move to DC Shoes. Yeah. Because you were skating f with Adidas for a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, for, for many uh, years, actually. Years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I wanted to know how, how did that switch happen and how have you enjoyed skating with DC? Because you've been on quite some trips with them. You did a, a piece on Bordeaux and yeah. you're like your, we'll talk about your activism, if we can call it that, with the city officials here in Bordeaux. Cool. But yeah, tell me about getting sponsored by DC. Yeah, it, it came very organically as well. You know, uh, 
as you said, I was skating for another shoe brand for many years, and uh, I just uh, met Manuel Abadi, who is the the marketing manager for for Europe, mm-hmm. and he's just the best dude. You know, he's such a nice guy, and uh, we became friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, David Mano, who's also a photographer Bordeaux from photographer. Bordeaux, who's mm-hmm. the legendary photographer in Bordeaux. Yeah, they kind of took me under their wings, you know, and. Uh, and it just felt more real, more more local, more human, you yep, know, like yep. I mm-hmm. felt like I had a closer relationship with them. And yeah, I really like, I mean, also DC is a company that comes from skateboarding, you know, yeah. so it's just made sense to represent a shoe company yeah. that comes from skateboarding, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they've been uh, doing some really cool stuff lately. I'm really stoked on all the documentary pieces that they've yeah. been producing. Yeah, you know, yeah, they yeah. really push the skateboarding culture by telling yeah. stories about what's what's happening in different uh, contexts and different mm-hmm. uh, cities with different crews. When the guys came from, uh, the crew came from Los Angeles, the DC uh, film guys came yeah. from LA mm-hmm. to film the piece in Bordeaux about the skateboard sculptures and stuff. They, like within a week, they just, they completely grasped and understand what was happening here. And they made a, a piece that I, I couldn't, I couldn't dream of a better mm. um, piece, you know? So yeah. yeah. So yeah, super happy how it's going on. And uh, there are a lot more, coming up in the in the future with them oh yeah cool so yeah and now we got also there is a cool thing happening in uh in france especially i think with uh i mean with david and and manu they really developing dc in europe but uh in France, they're pushing people like my, my childhood friend, Sergio Cadare. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, he recently had up, a great part. Yeah. Yeah. Who picked yeah. up uh, skateboarding again after yeah. few, he stopped for a few years and uh, yeah. he came back to Bordeaux and we started skateboarding again. And I'm very happy to see him uh, come up with some footage and yeah. being hooked up by a company like DC, you know. So, so yeah, shout out to uh, all these guys, Sergio, Manu, mm-hmm. Dave, everyone at DC. Thank you. Yeah. You mentioned iPath earlier, and I could see you on iPath because it it kind of makes sense coming from your skating and your your the way you skate. And when I think of DC shoes, or at least when I thought of DC shoes in back in the day, or maybe ten years ago or something, I associated it to the DC video. So super tech, gnarly skating from the East Coast mm-hmm. or or California, whatever. But like, so I wouldn't. At first, if uh, someone had told me 10 years ago that you were going to skate for them, I would have been, oh, really? Like, th- yeah. that doesn't sound like a, a good match, so to speak. But now that they seem to have really evolved their image a lot and picked up writers like yourself or John Gardner in the States or other yeah. people. John Gardner is amazing. Such yeah. a nice guy, too. And uh, really what inspiring. He's do- what he's doing with mental health and yes. stuff is super cool. And by yeah. the way, DC made a super cool yep. documentary piece about his work. Right, right, right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's interesting how the brand is uh, evolving and yeah. their image is qu- changing a lot. And uh, there's still some super tech, gnarly skaters on there. Of course. But uh, but there's also people that skate differently, like yourself or John or, or other writers. So, yeah. yeah. But I think that's part of uh, a good brand is a brand that, that stays true to its roots, yeah. but still evolves and, and stay open-minded, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about skate urbanism. As I said, you grew up in Bordeaux. You lived abroad for quite a while, traveled to the States a lot, to Japan a lot, like you said. Four or five years abroad, yeah. Yeah. And so you've been living in Bordeaux now for a while. You've become kind of a skateboarding ambassador, if you can call it that, of the city of Bordeaux. And you've definitely collaborated with the city a lot to create skatable areas, not skate parks, but like uh, places that have like a curb or, or a specific skatable obstacle. So tell me about how you started, you know, kind of taking this new role as a skateboarding ambassador, if I can call it that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a long process. 
But basically, skateboarding in Bordeaux used to be illegal for many years. Right. So most of the videos you can you, you see uh, before 2017, 2018 were mostly skating at night in Bordeaux mm -hmm. because during the day, the city cops were like in the streets during the day. They used they to give us you. tickets, actual, yeah. actual tickets, you know, oh, yeah, chasing yeah. us, giving us tickets, all that stuff. And the yeah. city was starting to invest in skate stoppers and stuff. Oh, yeah. So but at the same time, there is a huge community in Bordeaux. There are, skateboarding is very present, very yeah. popular. Mm -hmm. You see on the docks of Bordeaux, you see skaters all day long, you know, and there are many crews, different pros, skate shops like Riot Skate Shop, which yep, is one yep. of the biggest skate shops in Europe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Sugar Skate Mag is based in Bordeaux. There is a, a lot going on, you know. Yeah. And uh, the thing is, there was no communication whatsoever between skaters and the city, you know. Like, okay. Uh, so the city, like most other cities, they believe that skateboarding belongs in a skate park and the streets is not okay. Yeah. And they thought by ticketing kids, ticketing skaters, and putting skate stoppers, it would work out. And after 10, 15 years, I think the situation came to a point where the residents that wanted skateboarding to be banned were getting more and more upset because we were skating at night a lot. And, you oh, know, yeah. it was... And also when you put a no skateboarding sign on a plaza, kids would come and, uh, and skate even like in, not in a bad way, but they would skate in a more hungry way, you know? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was uh, complicated. It was conflictual. And I remember in 2017, this uh, French news channel, they contact me and they're like, hey, do you want to come uh, on TV live to talk about the economy of skateboarding in Bordeaux? Okay. And I, at first, I'm like, uh, hell no, I'm not interested. <laughs> bye bye. You know, I didn't want to go on TV yeah. to talk about skating. You know, yeah, at first, yeah. I was like in my underground bubble of like yeah. making didn't want to be in video the parts and like skating yeah. at night and stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I remember I, I hang up the phone and I'm like, wait a minute, maybe that's actually a good way to talk shit about the city policy mm -hmm. towards mm -hmm. skateboarding and see what happens from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did that. I called these guys back. And I remember they're like, oh, yeah, you want to come and talk shit about the city? For sure. <laughs> they love the, the buzz, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. so I went on TV. I said what I had to say. And uh, two days later, I get contacted by uh, the city elected. And they want to meet up. You know, they, they want to do a first meeting. Yeah. And so we organized a meeting. I go with some of the skate representatives of the city of Bordeaux, like the local organization, the mm -hmm. skate shops, you know. Yeah. Vivian came with me as well. Okay. Like, yeah. Uh, My friend Aurélien Gaucheron is a oh, yeah. guy from here who uh, was uh, developing Darwin in Bordeaux. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. His uh, indoor skate park and stuff. Right. He came as well. And the first meetings were insane. We ended up being at a, at a round table with the elected and the neighbors that complained about skateboarding. They invaded all the neighbors that complained about skateboarding. Okay, okay. So very tense meetings, mm. very complicated The neighbors, they want skateboarding fully banned, you know, and they have no solution whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember I saw uh, what happened at, uh, in Montreal at Peace Park. Oh, yeah? At Peace Park in Montreal, it's this, um, this famous skate plaza with, uh, with uh, granite ledges. Uh -huh. And uh, they s the neighbors used to complain about skateboarding and skaters would get tickets. And the skaters, they proposed time frames for this plaza oh, right. yep. where skateboarding would be allowed again okay. in order to share this space because it's public space and mm -hmm. you know like making skateboarding illegal is never going to work yeah. and so they're trying to find solutions so everyone can be happy you know? yeah to make it more manageable yeah right and uh, so I, I looked that up and uh, I contacted this guy David Boots from Montreal okay one of the main figures behind the, the time frames and uh, he wrote me a letter you know mm -hmm. like explaining what happened and stuff and that he works 
And then from there, we kept going and uh, the city of Bordeaux accepted to set up time frames on some of the problematic plazas. So okay. I think it was like five or six plazas where people used to complain about skateboarding noise specifically okay. and where skaters used to get tickets. I think it was more than a thousand tickets a year against skateboarding, you know, back then. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot. Mm -hmm. So um, from there, around the same time, we got really lucky because this uh, architecture organization in Bordeaux, they wanted to organize a big uh, exhibition about skateboarding and its relationship with uh, space, with the city and the cultural aspects of skateboarding. Mm -hmm. And so we got to help with this uh, exhibition and uh, we invited all the electeds and the neighbors, even the neighbors that complain about skateboarding. Okay. So we did a big gathering with skaters, people who don't like skateboarding, mm -hmm. uh, city representatives and electeds. Yeah, you sat the, everybody around the table. Yeah, yeah. and that, that was beautiful. It yeah, yeah. was great. Like I, I remember seeing neighbors who didn't like skateboarding coming to this and being like, wow, like, you guys actually have a, a beautiful culture. You yeah. know, like, yeah. kind of changing their minds. Yeah, yeah. And I, re I realized, I was like, damn, when you put skateboarding in a cultural context... People change the they perception understand it they have better. of it. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of this exhibition, I got to uh, debate with uh, Alain Juppé, who was uh, ex-prime minister mayor. of France oh, yeah. and uh, mm -hmm. mayor of Bordeaux back mm -hmm. then. From then, they, they asked uh, Arnaud de Dieu and I to work on, the, on consulting for some of the urban projects. Okay. Uh, we started doing uh, cultural events with the local organization called Bordeaux and also with Darwin. And yeah, I think there is a, a whole like, um, creative process happening where now basically the, the city is, uh, is down to work with us and, uh, and make projects happen. And, and they understood that making skateboarding illegal and putting skate stoppers is, is not a solution. Yeah. And uh, that we also have our, our world to say that also skateboarding can be uh, positive for the yes, city. Exactly. It can be a positive mm -hmm. outlet for a public space. It can, be, it can bring life. It can bring uh, so it's social activity. It can, yeah. it's just something that can be great also you know you, mm. you, you should everybody only benefits from it yeah. yeah you shouldn't only perceive it as something negative even yeah. if you don't skate and you're in, and you're from a different generation mm -hmm. and uh and yeah i'm really stoked on uh, on what happened and since then we've been able to build many projects yeah we were talking about this also right before we started recording, but there's uh, actually right now there's a um, an installation of uh, skatable obstacles in mm. Bordeaux, Toronto, yeah. and uh, Malmo. Yeah, and uh, you're one of the persons that have uh, initiated this, and you told me that you've been doing this pretty much every year, trying to build a new spot, so to speak, even though it's a, a temporary spot. And uh, but tell me about doing those, and and maybe the more the more recent one that's uh, going so, on right now. So basically, the work that I'm doing with uh, the city now takes uh, three different shapes. Mm -hmm. First one is basically mediation, how to communicate about skateboarding to the general public, how to find solutions in order to make public space shareable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, for example, currently I'm, uh, we are working with the local organization and the city on a Bordeaux skateboarding guide. Okay. And the idea is to take out all the, the no skateboarding signs that can still remain in town yep. and uh, instead have uh, recommendations for spots okay. and not have skateboarding being uh, illegal, but have skateboarding being understood and, uh, and talked about so everybody can uh, live together in these mm -hmm. spaces, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So that's the first part. It's a lot about communication and mediation. Yep. 
The second part is um, actually developing skate-friendly public spaces on the long term. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we can usually what uh, what we're trying to do is to have a, a public space that can integrate skateboarding in a subtle way. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't look like a skate park, but it can yeah. be by adding skatable furniture that can also be shareable with other city users. Okay. It can be by uh, remodeling uh, a public plaza that's kind of like uh, neglected mm-hmm. and uh, with uh, actually a little bit of money you can make it a great skate spot you know mm-hmm. and the third type of, uh, of action that we do is uh, ephemeral public art shows or yep. public uh, sculptures that are skatable but that can also be used for other public uh, city Purposes. uses yeah. yes. okay. so it's been three years now that we develop a, a scalable sculpture project and I, I want to make this a tradition mm-hmm. in Bordeaux you know yeah. every summer to have a new uh, public sculpture project yep. it started with a project called Play that's the project yep. the, the DC crew uh, made a documentary right. about actually mm-hmm. So I did that with uh, my friend, uh, designer, Nicolas Moinovsky, with yes. the local organization. Arnaud de Dieu was part of it uh, as well. And uh, what we did was we designed a route with a bunch of, uh, of scalable objects mm-hmm. with the same color code. And uh, we set up those scalable sculptures around town and mostly on iconic public spaces. And yeah, it's a good way to communicate. I think for the, the general public, it's great because they, they see scalable objects in public space that are permitted to skate and they understand that skateboarding doesn't only belong in skate parks. Okay. You know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And also, I'm very happy because every time we do a project like this, I'll see all the kids and all the local skaters that are really yeah. stuck to have new stuff to skate in mm. town. Yeah. So yeah, basically we did play in uh, 2019, then uh, 2020 nothing happened, unfortunately, uh, because, because of COVID. Of COVID. Mm-hmm. But 2021, we did another project called Bon Voyage, and this oh, one yeah. was uh, a way to create uh, bridges with other cities that mm-hmm. also want to develop a skate-friendly yeah, policy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for this, we uh, sent our sculptures to Malmö, to skate Malmö and Gustave Eden. Yeah. We sent them the play sculptures, and Malmö sent us their sculptures. Okay. So, so it was an exchange, an exchange. of sculptures. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was great because in both towns, uh, everybody had new spots to skate. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a way also to, as I said, to create bridges between, yeah. uh, between our, our two cities, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and help each other. And this year, we, did an, uh, we went a little further. We contacted uh, an artist that we really like, a French artist who's based in Berlin called Pierre, Pierre Descamps, Descamps. Yep. who's usually uh, building and setting up uh, illegal skateboard obstacles in, okay. uh, in Berlin. Yep. And this time, we asked him to design three skateboard sculptures mm-hmm. uh, that will be reproduced in the cities of Bordeaux, Toronto, and Malmö. Right. And the idea is to study how the same objects are going to live differently in three yeah. different contexts. You know? How are they going to be skated by the locals and... And so on. And what else happens? You know, for example, we set up one of the obstacles in, uh, on the Watermere, the Miroir d'eau in Bordeaux, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a, the most visited place in Bordeaux, actually. Mm-hmm. So everybody oh, really? sees it. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I go in the afternoon, I see a bunch of tourists or people sitting on them, on the sculpture, or even drying their towels on the sculpture. <laughs> okay. And I mean, I could be pissed, you know. I could be like, damn, mm-hmm. we can't skate. But actually, I'm stoked because we are doing something that can take different uh, users. And yeah, even sure. sometimes stuff we didn't even uh, uh, imagine, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. And 
So talking about Malmo, and uh, there's definitely a lot of links between Malmo and Bordeaux. And a few years ago, uh, Arnaud de Dieu, who you mentioned and who I had on the podcast about a year ago, yeah. he started a, a school called Shifty, yeah. uh, which was uh, greatly inspired by Brigueriez and Malmo. But Brigueriez is a high school and Shifty is, a, uh, I don't know how you said, post-grad uh, course. It's after you graduate from high school. Mm -hmm. But you've actually been involved with them at least the last couple of years. I don't know if you're still involved with them for the year to come. But I wanted to ask you, how, how has it been collaborating with Arnaud and with the students? And what kind of is your, your role over there? Are you like a mentor? Are you giving classes on skate urbanism? Like how, how do you talk to these people over there? Well, yeah, we went to Malmö uh, for Pushing Borders right. a couple of years ago with Arnaud. Yep. And uh, I remember he got really interested in Brigueriet mm -hmm. and uh, everything that was happening in Malmö. Malmö has been very progressive and, uh, and yep. doing a lot of stuff uh, before anyone else, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, Arnaud started his, uh, his school, Shifty. Yep. And uh, I guess I was the ambassador for yep. the, the first year. Like the godfather, some, uh, le, le parrain? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, le parrain or <laughs> the, I guess, ambassador. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you, you would say. Like last mm -hmm. year was Benjamin Debert, the, right. the ambassador. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, basically, I've been just super supportive with uh, Arno's project. And uh, I've been also uh, teaching some uh, classes about skateboarding culture or video editing or yep. some stuff about skate urbanism as well, about uh, skateboarding and health also. All right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll uh, get yeah. into that. Yeah. Okay. This is kind of a random question, but I, I was interested in this because uh, I used to work in the wine industry, as you know, and I saw not too long ago, a few months, or maybe a year ago, you did a, a photo shoot in uh, Saint-Emilion. Oh, yeah. Uh, With David Mano. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I think it was at a famous um, Bordeaux castle called Chateau La Fleur de Boire. Yes, I'm not mistaken. yes, yes. And so I wanted to ask you, how did this happen? Because when I saw it, I was like, what, what the hell is Leo doing in a, yeah. like a wine cellar, like doing a power slide between wine barrels or something? Uh, it was kind of funny to see you in this context. And I just wanted to ask you about No, that how, was how a funny day. Yeah. I mean, they just invited us to come and, uh, and skate and shoot some, uh, some photos there. Okay. So of course we were down. I mean, this it's super classic buildings and uh, and very French architecture, and yeah. we're always super down to make it as local and uh, and you know like authentic, authentic as yeah. possible. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, that was a great invitation. We went and we sh we spent a day shooting in Saint Emilion and in the in the chateaus and. Uh, Yeah. The ground must have been pretty bad. I think in Saint-Emilion, it's a lot of... Uh, Actually, they had, some, they had some pretty decent floor. Oh, okay. Not everything, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah. Then I tried to understand, like, why would they have someone like you come over there? But I guess uh, because they know that you're a famous pro skater in France and probably most of the people that follow you on Instagram, for example, are like younger skaters who will eventually become wine drinkers in the future. Yeah. And possibly if you kind of recommend wine or whatever, maybe you become sort of a like an influencer, so to speak. I mean, that, surely their the, the idea was definitely yeah. to get a, a younger audience. Right, right, know? right. But... Mm -hmm. uh, But yeah, we were down. We're always yeah. down to try some uh, some weird Something stuff, new. especially with David. With David Mano, we're always down to try some uh, some weird experiments. So. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk a bit about uh, like health. We talked about your wife Lauren. She's a yoga teacher, and you've been doing a lot of yoga with her. And you together you uh, designed basically a skateboarding yoga program for skaters who want to perhaps uh, reinforce certain parts of their body that could be more severely impacted by skateboarding. So tell me about starting yoga and how you've uh, started eventually doing this program with Lauren. 
Yeah, so uh, basically about, I would say about 10 years ago, I started to feel pretty tired after skate trips, you know, yeah. around age 25 or something. Just really sore, back pains and uh, growing pains and stuff. And uh, luckily, Lolo, she's, uh, she studied uh, holistic health right. at the University of San Francisco. Uh -huh. And she's also a yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I started uh, getting interested in, uh, in the stuff she was doing. And I started practicing yoga. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, it's only a few years ago that I got really into it. Because for me, it was a little bit uh, foreign at first and, uh, mm -hmm. and hard to get into. But uh, during lockdown, during COVID yep. lockdown, uh, I you decided to do a, right? a yeah. full year of yoga, like 365 yeah. days of yoga. And that was incredible, at least even like just learning how to breathe correctly, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. and uh, bringing that to skateboarding. Mm -hmm. I realized that I could skate much longer. I wouldn't be as sore after skating and stuff. Uh -huh. And uh, just learning the right stretches, the right, you know, just health in general for skateboarding. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, nutrition, food became something I, I got uh, interested in. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we decided with Lauren, we decided to propose a, a yoga class specifically for skateboarding. So mm -hmm. we basically, we joined forces and we wrote a program, a mm -hmm. yoga program that would be fully adapted to uh, the practice of skateboarding. Right. And yeah, we've been uh, giving a yoga lessons. It's called Namaskate. Right, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is funny. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are launching our first uh, oh, teacher's yeah. training uh, program right. in, During uh, a weekend, right? in, in October. October. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be doing this now because we noticed that there are so many skate coaches, skate teachers that know nothing about health, mm -hmm. about stretching, about warming up before skateboarding and stuff. So we decided to launch this program and, uh, and uh, yeah, it's exciting. We, yeah. we are launching the first one in, Oct in October and it's already full. Oh yeah, cool. So yeah, but I think that's another part of, uh, you know, actually with skateboarding, there are so many different topics that gravitate around yeah. skateboarding and that make it so rich, you know, mm -hmm, and uh, mm -hmm. from like architecture to urbanism, to design, to photo, to video, to editing, to uh, art, to uh, health. Yep. You know, yeah, so. for sure. So if I came or any skater came to a yoga class, what are basically the moves that he, he or she would need to do to be able to skate better or longer? Like what uh, are there certain parts of the body where you try to focus on or like yeah. what, 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 how did you design this program? It basically? would be a mix of uh, mobility exercises, stretches, stretching. Right, right. And uh, strengthening exercises. Okay. Because I believe in yoga, you have the right balance between uh, strengthening and becoming more flexible. Yeah, okay. And yeah, so it's, there is a lot about the ankles, how to strengthen right. your ankles. Yeah, That's yeah, very important. Yeah. A lot about uh, the growings, the psoas, the knees, the mm -hmm. back, especially the lower back. Yeah. I know so many, so many of my friends have uh, back problems. For sure, yeah. And I know by doing yoga every day, It helps I mean, a lot. I used yeah. to have back pain. There is, if I do yoga every morning, even a little bit when I wake up, no back pain at all. Okay. Yeah, so, cool. Yeah. And then the breathing. The breathing yeah. and, and being more relaxed and more focused on what you're doing. Yeah. I think yoga helps with that as well. Sure. Yeah. So you've definitely changed your way of skating, I guess, from doing all this yoga. As you mentioned the breathing and everything like, uh, but probably at this point it has become normal to you. But did it take a bit of time maybe yes, to like, integrate this yoga while. practice? It takes a little while. It's a practice. It's yeah. like everything, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes a little while, but actually you, you get into it really quickly. Uh -huh. And the breathing is amazing. You realize how you, c you can actually like relax yourself. Like if you start stressing out for no reason about something like... 
or even like you just automatizing healthy breathing it's is super good yeah 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 and so if someone who's listening to this is an older skater like in his 30s or 40s what would you kind of recommend to be able to continue skating not necessarily jump over a huge set of stairs of course but to be able to just at least go skate curves or just have fun on your skateboard so yoga is definitely an important part for you but yeah. what what other like advice could you give out well yeah yoga stretching every day a little bit okay when you wake up Is, very is it better when, to do it when you wake I up than, so. than later that's in what, the day? That's what I experienced, yeah. Okay. It's just a great start of the day, you know. So stretching your back and your ankles and your, and your hips every uh -huh. day is great. Mm -hmm. And then what you eat is obviously yeah. super important. So are you Hydrating, super drinking selective? Water, on, drinking water. Yeah. I'm not crazy selective. I'm not like... A, no. You're not vegan or you're not... No, uh, I no. eat meat. I eat okay. everything. But mm -hmm. it's about finding the right middle and, you uh -huh. know... Eating enough vegetables, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eating meat, I think, is great. It's, I mean, I love to eat meat, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and I try to avoid alcohol and stuff as much as right. possible. Yeah, as well. we talked about that earlier. Yeah. I mean, I okay. drink alcohol. I like to drink a fresh beer after a session, but yeah. uh, just not too much, not every day, you know. I think anything in excess is bad, you know. Eating chocolate every day is bad, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. Everything in moderation. For yeah. sure. We're going to wrap it up pretty soon, but I wanted to ask you also about, well, this summer kind of, because you've been skating a lot with uh, Sergio Santoro yes. from Brazil. Yeah. Uh, you actually went on a trip to Rio a few months ago. I don't remember when it was, during the spring maybe or yeah, end April. of the winter, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, he actually came here with, uh, with some other skaters and everything. And you've been to Marseille. You were recently in Strasbourg. Yeah. And uh, you're filming now for the new Magenta video, which should come out, I guess, maybe end of the year or early next year. Just Cruise 2. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, tell me about how has this summer been and what kind of projects are you working on? It's been incredible. This summer has been so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Also, maybe because uh, I became a father and um, yeah, I right. it's, you know, about a year ago, my wife was pregnant and I was freaking out. To tell you oh, the yeah? truth, I was just like kind of scared, you know. Scared of how it was going to affect your life? or Yeah, you don't know what to expect. You hope you're going to be good enough for this. And, you know, it's just a, a big change. Yeah, you know, for sure. And it happened. We got a, a, a beautiful little daughter. And it's just the best thing in the world. You know, it, mm -hmm. gives, it gives you so much motivation to, to try and be the best version of yourself. Oh, yeah. So for me, it's been a, a great year mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, it gave me even more motivation to uh, keep doing projects and, uh, and produce skateboarding content and travel and connect with more people. Mm -hmm. Actually, you know, I thought I was wondering if it would be, but actually yeah. it is a great mm -hmm. motivation. And um, yeah, I went to, uh, decided to go to Rio, organize this trip in Rio with uh, my friend Remy Luciani, who's a filmer oh, from, yeah. uh, from Nice. Right. And uh, we went with uh, Ben Koppel. Yes, Roller Surfer. Roller mm -hmm. Surfer was a good yeah. friend. Incredible skater as well. Yeah, very yeah. fun one. Super yeah. nice guy. And Clément Arpilla, who's a photographer. Yes. And a good homie yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. Very funny guy. Uh, especially in Rio. You should have seen uh, Clément with his Parisian style in Rio. It was <laughs> just too good to be true. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, we went there and had the best time. Rio was just beautiful. Uh -huh. And we called this uh, little trip movie Monstro, Monstro de Rio. De Rio yeah. mm. And I got, actually, we got really good feedbacks on this mm -hmm. because it was supported by solo and also by yes. DC yeah. and so we got to organize uh, art shows and video premieres and uh, we had a, an article in solo and stuff you went to Berlin to premiere it right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. they organized mm -hmm. a, a premiere and an art show in Berlin 
And so one I, in Bordeaux as well. Yeah, yeah. and so mm -hmm. I got many uh, requests for uh, making this a series. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm going to try and oh, make really? this a series nice. yeah, every year with uh, a new destination. So it could be Monstro Day something. Okay, it okay. can be basically anywhere. And mm -hmm. every, every year I want to bring more uh, like-minded individuals, skaters to this. To, to, to an exotic location? We'll see. There are just so many we can do, you oh know. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that that was one uh, one fun project, and then yeah. Just Cruise Two yep. should come out probably early 2023. So the idea of Just Cruise is to film in France, focus on okay. where Magenta is based, yep. and invite have most of the team come to France and, yep. and skate together. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, most of the team came to Marseille. We did, we went to Strasbourg. We went yep. to Toulouse. Filmed a lot in Bordeaux as well. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the crew went to Paris, mm -hmm. and uh, just such a beautiful reunions. You know, such mm -hmm. great melting pots of just mix of people and great creative individuals like meeting up and having fun and skating together. And yeah. I like how everybody uh, brings his little flavor to the mix and, uh, and he yeah. makes something special. Cool, yeah. yeah. So yeah, we're working on this and uh, I think Vivian is pretty excited to, to make Just Cruise 2 because uh, Just Cruise 1 was, uh, was a special project for us. Yep. He's been motivating me to film a bunch of, uh, of new ideas. Okay. So I'm trying to come up with some new stuff for this, you know. Okay. So, uh, and you just released a part, uh, apart from the Monster the Rio piece, you, you released a part not too long ago. Uh, yeah, like for a few another, yeah, ago. Magenta Tapes. That was right, another right. Magenta yes. video. Uh, everybody was supposed to film a part at home since, since yep. it was COVID and everyone yep. was kind of stuck at home. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, Joe's Cruise 2 is quite excited for that one. And I, I've, I saw that everybody was super motivated when they came to France. And, uh, and yeah, I know Vivian is filming a super sick part. He's going to have nice. a big part in cool. this. So yeah, it's just exciting. It's motivating to give your best and uh, and really like keep on finding spots and finding new trick ideas and stuff and then find how to do the right trick on the right spot and stuff. And mm. uh, you know, I have so much respect for skaters who really look for spots, yeah. search for spots and find yeah. their own spots, even find stuff that nobody skated before and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of rare nowadays, yeah, you know, yeah. but still exists. And, mm. uh, and uh, yeah, when I see someone like uh, Ruben Spelta, who came from yes. Milan, oh, yeah, yeah. pro from Magenta now. It's Incredible super, style. Yeah, yeah, super good style. Yeah. He's been coming to Bordeaux a lot mm -hmm. and then bringing his flavor to the city, finding his, all, his own little spots to skate and stuff. It gets me super stoked. Yeah, that's amazing. So this video should come out early next year. And, uh, I think so. And so, so right now we're stacking, we're filming. Right. Sergio Santoro and Mike Mag uh, came from yeah. Brazil. They've been staying in, uh, in Bordeaux the whole summer. Yeah. Uh, I think they're in Barcelona now, or at least uh, Sergio, Sergio is in Barcelona. Yeah. Mike is still in the in the area. They really liked Bordeaux. I think it's, okay. it was fun to see it's them. It's gonna settle and, down you know, here. <laughs> they just didn't want to leave, really, you know. Okay. But yeah, they're super like creative, unique individuals. So yeah, yeah, quite excited for Just Cruise too. Cool. Yeah, me too. Look forward to seeing it for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, we can wrap it up here with the friends' questions, if that's okay right. with you. This first one is from well, we mentioned him, John Gardner. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. He asked me to ask you about your first experience at an American theme park. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think you, were, you went to an American theme park with him maybe a year ago or something, right? Or yes. I don't remember when, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me about that. So actually, last time uh, we came to America mm -hmm. with our newborn baby, yep. with Lauren, the DC uh, headquarters, they were having this little uh, end of the year reunion right, right. where they, they go somewhere with all the staff, you know, mm -hmm. 
And uh, this time they were going to uh, an amusement park. Uh, right, um, theme park. Theme yeah, park yeah, yeah. with giant roller coasters. Okay. Insane. <laughs> and I actually have never been to one. Okay. You know, I was... And really? So th- not yeah. in France? Not no, okay. I've never okay. been to one. Okay. And so John <laughs> and these guys, they invited me to go. So I went and uh, it was the first time I, I met a bunch of the DC uh, US staff there as oh, well, yeah. you know, and um, uh, Martin Forbes was there, one of oh, the, yeah. the, the mm-hmm. filmer, really nice guy from uh, DC Film. Right. And uh, those guys were super confident. Some of this stuff are insane. It's <laughs> like going up completely straight and then down completely straight again. Yeah, okay. I thought I was going to die. And <laughs> they have some pretty funny photos, you know, where they take the photos of... of oh, yeah, the, yeah, the, the reactions. I'm are, just yeah. like, I'm green, dude. I'm just like, oh, what's happening to me? <laughs> yeah, that must have been pretty so, yeah. traumatic. Yeah, <laughs> a, a nice first experience. And John was so nice. He was just reassuring yeah. me the whole time. And John is such a great individual. Dude. He looks so like a rad dude, yeah. Super yeah, yeah, nice yeah, yeah. guy. If yeah. you can do an interview with him one day... I'd love to, yeah. I've, I've actually reached out and hopefully it will happen sometime okay. yeah i would love to, to have it's a on good for one sure. yeah yeah all right this next one is from another american guy and a magenta teammate jimmy lannon oh so he said i love jimmy yeah Raz i love as jimmy well. such a good human so he asked what do we call the one-footed power slide <laughs> under a car <laughs> 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 i was like what the hell is that <laughs> I guess a one-footed power slide under a car. I don't know. <laughs> what do you call that, Jimmy? I don't know. There isn't a. Is there a story or something? What? Not really. I think I I did this first in Japan, skating in traffic around Tokyo and just learning how to drift. Because I was going to San Francisco a lot, and mm-hmm. I, I got really into like long backside power slides right. down the hills. Mm-hmm. Just feels like surfing. It feels mm-hmm. so good. And then uh, yeah, I was doing them one-footed with the foot sliding on uh, on the ground. And then, yeah, under the car. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there is a... I don't really... There, there isn't a name for that? I don't think the, so. The Leo Valls slide? Or I don't really <laughs> like to, to give names to some of the, <laughs> s- the stuff I do. That, But yeah, it happens. Actually, people ask me sometimes, like when, when I do a trick that don't, don't really have a name, you know? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. oh, do you call that? I'm just like, I don't know. But one-footed power slide sounds pretty yeah, yeah, yeah. right, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This one is an audio one. What up, bro? How you doing? First of all, I want to say hi to Lo and Sunny. And uh, I have a question for you. So how do you go from being a pro skateboarder and not having kids to have one? And how do you manage your time? And how do you make the switch to be like not having kids to have one? And I think you can help a lot of like young dad out there like who do skateboarding. And a lot of people can relate to you causes a lot of responsibilities to do that so let me know though let us know bro talk to me uh, i love this guy i love <laughs> sergio sergio Cadare yeah Cado. i met sergio yeah. uh, when i was 13 year old mm-hmm. first day i met him he was an inspiration such a positive guy always always screaming at every trick that someone lands you know oh, yeah. just so much energy hype man yeah, hype man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love Sergio. Great skater. We mentioned his part. I saw it a few days ago. It was yeah. really rad. Yeah, yeah really he's cool. awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, good question, Sergio. So and parenthood, uh, I mean, Sergio has been, uh, he's been seeing uh, this change. You know, he's been super supportive mm-hmm. with me uh, when, uh, when I became a dad. And it's true that it can be a little bit uh, 
little bit overwhelming, you know, yeah. the first, uh, the, the last, again, like I said, the last few weeks of pregnancy and the first week yeah. of the weeks of, uh, of life are very intense. There mm -hmm. is a big change. And I've, I feel like as a human, you even, you cannot change biologically, you know, no, it's like, sure. your, yeah, your whole system just changes. Mm -hmm. But how do you manage? I mean, honestly, it's so much love to have a kid that you're just like so focused on, on giving your best, mm -hmm. you know, that I feel like it, it happens organically. Mm -hmm. And for me, the time I have with my, uh, with my baby is such quality time that I need to have now. And when I have time to go skate or do other stuff or work on projects, I'm just even more motivated yeah. and focused, you know, yeah. because I know this time is like yeah. more special now, you know what yeah. I mean? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think how do you manage to do it? You just uh, go with the, the flow of being a, being a father, you know, mm. and, and when you're not with your kid, you give your best, basically. Yeah. Okay, this next question is from David Manot. Ah. So he asked it in French, but I'm going to try to translate it. <laughs> So he said, can you tell us about your first encounter with a babuino <laughs> <laughs> and what, no. is, what is its uh, specificity kind of? So what the hell is a babuino? <laughs> it's a little monkey. This is just David and I, we have a lot of uh, inside jokes, you know? Okay. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. We is that a nickname you give to each other or something? <laughs> yeah, basically. Okay. But uh, okay. with David is hilarious. He's a very funny guy. <laughs> and we, we went on trips a lot together, mm -hmm. like shooting photos, spending so much time in the streets together, uh, right. battering tricks and stuff. So many stories happened, you know, mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. yeah, we have, we have ways to laugh. And uh, his question doesn't really make any sense, <laughs> honestly. It just okay. is like just to a make funny yeah, just a funny yeah, thing that he just knows it's gonna make me smile. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So okay. First encounter with a baboon. <laughs> Seriously, David. Okay, um, this one is audio as well. Hey, Leo. Hope you're doing good. So here's a question from Mama. You being a skateboarder that has a very personal and distinctive style, something that I think is very rare today, where we're also over flooded with impressions and it's harder and harder to create something that's unique to you. You've managed that and I think that's super cool. So the question is, how important do you think it is to create your own way of skating that's personal and distinctive to you and also do things that relate to the environment that you are in? Well... Hope to see you here soon and uh, do some power slides with me at the plaza. Come through. Cheers. Is that Tom? Tom Botwood, yeah. Nice. I love Tom. <laughs> yeah. Red uh, we worked on the uh, video, video part, part for film, yeah, yeah. for Jeremy. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was rad to, to go see him in Copenhagen and Malmö and, uh, and skate together. But yeah, I mean, he's, uh, for me, it's, it's since I believe skateboarding is a, a way of expression, mm -hmm. I think it's important often to go back to the roots and to question yourself on why do you love skateboarding so much mm -hmm. and where you're from, who you are really, you know, and what can you bring to the table with your skateboarding? So right. all these questions I think are really relevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that's questions I've been asking myself for many years and I still ask myself basically uh -huh. all the time, you know, mm -hmm. and, and uh, I think just being honest with your skateboarding is the most important. Trying yeah. to be something you're not mm -hmm. just because that's what the industry is pushing or that's what yeah. that's what's politically correct is yeah, yeah, yeah. to me is not worth it mm -hmm. to me if you want to really like bring something to the table to the long term you know yep, to a yep. bigger scale if you unzoom you know mm -hmm. if you want to bring something to the table you have to be yourself 100% yep. and that comes from who you are mm -hmm. what you really love deeply in you 
who inspires you as well from all the people you've met or all the stuff that you, you love and also everything that you love that gravitates around skateboarding that you can bring to yeah. your skateboarding. Mm. There is so much inspiration to take from so many different practices or, right. or art forms or you know mm -hmm. that you can bring to your skateboarding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's definitely something super important for him as well uh, through his uh, skating and, and his brand. Uh, of course. For me, that's what makes me happy, actually. When yeah. I do something that I know is represents me, that's what yeah. makes me happy. And skateboarding is supposed to make me happy. You yeah, know? yeah, it's the whole point. Yeah. And I mean, when, when people are stoked on it, it makes me happy, but that's not what I care about. You yeah. know, like... Yeah, yeah. This one is from Louis Araki. Oh, legend. He's coming to Bordeaux next month to oh, film is? for Just Cruise 2. Oh, nice. He's going to awesome. have footage, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he asked a pretty simple but interesting question. Until what age do you want to skateboard? <laughs> All my life. Yeah, I figured you were going to say that. All my yeah. life, yeah. I think you can skate for, especially if... You uh, take care of yourself. Especially if you take care of yourself, dude, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I hope. We'll see what happens. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I hope I can skate Fingers until... Crossed. Forever, and when I see people like Gans, who still have amazing style and stuff, yeah, you know, Tony like Hawk, uh, or for sure, yeah. Louis. Uh, I believe Louis is 45 or 46. Okay, and I'm impressed by uh, people who, uh, you know, there are a lot of skateboarders who are still good after a certain age, you know, after yeah. 40 and stuff. Yeah, but there are not like only a few, I believe, who still keep a very flowy, smooth style. You yeah, know, because you become a bit more rigid, I guess. I think uh, a lot of skaters become more rigid or more heavy or, or yeah. more stiff. And right. some people keep their smoothness, you yeah. know, their, their, their flow, their lightness mm -hmm, on the board. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Louis Araki is part of them. Yeah. Louis Araki with his nose slide pop-out and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Chico Brenes, you know oh, Chico yeah. Brenes? Yeah, of course. <laughs> he still have this amazing yeah, flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super impressive. He's it more is. than 45, I believe. Yeah. And he still have this crazy, like, lightness on his mm -hmm. feet when he skates, yeah. you know? There's a lot of skaters that are over 40 that are still skating incredibly. Like uh, Guy Mariano has been Guy Mariano is insane. killing it. And I hope he's going to release a part someday. But like every time I see a clip of him, I'm like, what the fuck? This guy is like 46 and yeah. he's still s incredible. I, but I think before anything, it's about keeping the passion alive. Yeah, exactly. Skating a lot and, and, mm. and adapting also. Yeah. Look at what Jeremy Ducklin is doing. It's yeah, amazing yeah, yeah. what he's yeah. doing with all this, all these new slappy tricks that yeah, he's yeah, learning yeah. all the time. And mm -hmm. it's, it's beautiful to witness, you know? Yeah. Okay, next question is another audio one. Yo, Leo, it's Fugs. I have one question for you. Have you ever been compared to a famous politician guys like Georges Pompidou or <laughs> Mao Zedong? <laughs> Yo! <laughs> Fugs is just the best, dude. <laughs> I've when been I, loving filming with him. I was like, what the hell? Oh my God. It's what, so what's funny. that noise in the, the end? I'm not he's sure. He's acting like a piggy. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, Fugs is so good, man. He's uh, this uh, upcoming filmer in Bordeaux and uh, he filmed uh, a lot of part. yeah magenta tapes. And really he's well filmed. I, I really enjoyed that so part. Good. It was very creative in the filming for sure. Yeah, it, and he's, he's filming a lot of the Joe's Cruise 2 video also. Cool. It's cool. He's, he's got these VX angles. Mm -hmm. but right now he's filming with an HD camera, but really like trying to, to get these VX angles. It's pretty, right. pretty exciting. Cool. Uh, but this question, yes, it's, uh, <laughs> it's something that always uh, makes me laugh. <laughs> and I mean, sure, I have the same, uh, the same name as um, an ex... Uh, oh, Manuel Valls, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, a politician in France. Yeah, who I really dislike, yeah. actually. But yeah, Valls, is, uh, it's actually a Catalan name. Oh, yeah. 
Very okay. popular in Catalonia. Yeah, it's like yeah. Dupont or Durand in France. You mm -hmm, know, there are a lot mm -hmm. of, of vals in uh, Catalonia. Okay. So uh, my family is actually from Catalonia okay. originally. So yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I've been compared to uh, this politician. And actually, I can tell you a story. But one time, I think it was 2015 or 2016, mm -hmm. uh, when the police used to give tickets in Bordeaux. Yeah. I got stopped by the police and they wanted to give me a ticket. And back in the day, this politician, he was the, the prime, chief of police. Minister? The or minister oh, of... The, uh, of, of police yeah, yes yeah. and uh, when the police asked me for my name to give me a ticket I oh, yeah. told my name and they all looked at each other like oh shit <laughs> and then I said yeah he's my uncle <laughs> I went for it I said yeah yeah he's my uncle and they bought it they, they thought it was they true they thought it was true oh, and they wow. didn't give me the ticket they all got scared <laughs> and they, they, they let me go <laughs> So, <laughs> so whenever it's useful you can say you're his, his, his nephew <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's pretty funny okay uh, let's do this one salut Leo Hi Leo, you've been defending and practicing essentially street skateboarding, which I find to be very specific to you. Neither contests nor skate parks, ever. Do you see a way to socially or architecturally save skate parks? Do you feel that something could be done to make them more appealing to you, or not at all? Pierre Descamps, bien sûr. Well, yeah, he's, he's right, and that's that's because for me, skateboarding is, again, like I said that earlier, but it's a, a, a game, a relationship with the streets. Right. That's my perception of it, so I, I stick to this because for me, that's one of my messages, you know? Yeah. But that doesn't mean I'm against skate parks. And uh, of course, I believe, uh, for example, for a city like Bordeaux, when we do mediation for the streets and we create street skate spots with the yep. city, I believe we also need a skate park. Yeah. Because the, the, especially the kids, they need a place to learn yeah. and to, to feel safe and an environment, sure. you know, like, doesn't mean the streets are not safe, but it's just, it's just yeah. important mm -hmm. to have this. I believe it's complementary. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So you need both. Mm -hmm. And yes, of course, there are ways to make skate parks better. Skate mm -hmm. parks can be so much better. A lot of skate parks could be so much better. A lot of skate parks now cost a lot of money, a lot of public money to cities, and they could be so much better in how they are made, you know. Yeah. And, and for this, what I believe is that the material that we use in skate parks could be better, and uh, the way skate parks are being built could also be uh, more mixed, you know, more in a way that skate parks are more like a, a public space mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. also a skate park, but the, and more mixed in the urban landscape. So I think this this thing is is happening right now. It's it's uh, evolving this yeah. way, mm -hmm. but yeah, I think skate parks could be integrated in a better way in the urban landscape of cities. Okay. Okay, let's see. I think I still have just a few. The last ones are audio again. Nice. <laughs> I love those. This is cool. <laughs> Hi, guys. My name is Julian Janiskevich. I live in Bordeaux, and I have made all the Bordeaux Exposures videos. So here is my question, Leo. Since you started to skate and doing all your different activities, what are you most proud of? Damn, Julian <laughs> is a good one too. I love this guy. Yeah. It's incredible. You know, Julian is a chemist. He works in uh, Switzerland. Oh, really? Oh, week. I didn't know that. Okay. And uh, in the weekend, he comes back to Bordeaux and he films his ah. friends and he's making these local videos. Yeah, yeah. He's a really good exposure. skater. Yeah, yeah. Really good skater as well. Yeah. He's great. Mm -hmm. Really good friends mm -hmm. of mine. But what am I the most proud of? Sure, I guess making stuff projects with my friends, you know, and mm -hmm. making stuff that we can all be proud of, you know. So, uh, yeah, making videos with Julian, for example, I'm super proud yeah. of this, even yeah. though it's not for like a company. It's not something that's going to, you know, like bring money to anyone. Like, it yeah. doesn't matter. That's stuff I'm, I'm proud of for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah so this yeah and, uh, and also all the great people I get to meet through skateboarding with uh, mm -hmm. like overseas like in Japan in America all that stuff that's something that gets me really proud yeah, yeah. so yeah, it's yeah. mostly about like all the friendships the community yeah, yeah. the community and f being part of this community and mm -hmm. uh, and uh, helping out and pushing the community in the and skateboarding in the, what I hope and what I see is the right direction mm -hmm. you know? for sure again it goes back to going back to the roots a lot why do I love street skateboarding so much and I, I'm, I'm exclusive to street skateboarding because mm -hmm. that's the essence you know yeah. that's how skateboarding was born that's skateboarding was born in the streets skateboarding was done in the streets for so long and, and yeah. that's an art form that I, I want to help pursue you know yeah, yeah mm -hmm. keep pushing it yeah yeah All right, this one is from Nikola Malinowski. You uh, mentioned him earlier. Okay, so he said, can you tell us about your love for grounds with original graphic patterns and how it brings something special in a video? Ah, that question comes from a designer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but so. yeah, basically, growing up in Bordeaux, we had lots of uh, marble floor uh -huh. and cool yep. pattern floors too in galleries and stuff. And I think uh, I developed uh, power slide tricks because yep. of this environment I had mm -hmm. growing up, you know, like all this marble floor, the Rue Sainte-Catherine in Bordeaux, yep, that's yep. very popular for the marble and the power slides mm -hmm. and stuff. So for me, it just came naturally to develop and learn these tricks depending on the environment I had around me. Mm -hmm. But yeah, cool patterns on uh, on floor is just makes it even more exciting and mm. especially when filming. Yep. If you film a line with the uh, VX1000, on cool like pattern floor it just mm. looks faster and cool and it and adds again, even I'm, more flavor to the yeah, it brings so much yeah. more flavor for me like when i film a trick it, it the the environment the way the spot will look like the streets the people that are around yeah. the the tricks too that for me it's 50 of the clip yeah. it's just as important as the trick is itself you know what i mean uh, it just brings me to a question but do you Like if you find a spot with a graphic floor like this, yeah. do you select some clothes or something that you, th you feel will Sometimes. work better for the footage? <laughs> Sometimes we go okay. this, this far, yes. Yeah, okay. It happened for sure. I mean, it's something you think about. Just think about it. If you film a line at night and mm -hmm. it's dark, if you put a, dark, a black t-shirt, it's not going to look as good as a white t-shirt, for right. example. Yeah. But then in other contexts, like... Um, You want to skate this ledge in front of a, a, a red window, mm -hmm. and if you put a, a red jacket, it's gonna stand out. It's gonna pop out, you know. Yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. it's a little bit geeky, but uh, yeah, we go this far for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have two last questions, right. and then we'll we'll be done. This one I haven't checked. This one I just got it an hour ago from a friend of yours. So we're gonna listen to it together. Hey Leo. So ever since the first video I saw of you. I fell in love with your fun style and amazing power slides. I was wondering, uh, when did the, your inspiration for power slides start? Like, how, how did you start doing so many cool power slides? And what was your biggest, biggest influence to start them? Much love, my friend. Already missing you. <laughs> Sergio Santoro. Yes, exactly. Uh, well, I feel like I kind of answered that in the, the, yeah. the last uh, answer. But, uh -huh. um, but yeah, again, he came from uh, skateboarding in Bordeaux yeah. and uh, skating floors. with all these marble floors and then going to living in San Francisco, mm -hmm. skating the hills and yeah. learning how to power slide in between tricks and stuff. And then going to Japan, skating with Morita too. He was doing a lot of power slides and he just made the uh, legit, you know. Mm. And I, was, I love when, when people are, are, like skating with Morita really opened my eyes to, you know, like understanding how cool it is to be able to break the rules of yeah. what's politically correct in skateboarding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And like, feels like sometimes like 
medias are telling you like, oh, this is the way you're supposed to do this trick or this is mm. the way you're supposed to skate to be cool nowadays. Yeah. But I've, for me, it's the, like if you're doing the opposite, if you're doing something that's not cool at mm. this moment is what's cool, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? <laughs> And something that makes you feel good. For sure. And mm -hmm. that's something that makes you feel good personally, yeah. for sure. Mm. All right. Very last question. Hi, Lele. It's Lolo and Sunny. And my question for you is about our daughter. So you discovered skateboarding when you were uh, an adolescent, and she's discovering it through you at a very early age. And if she does decide to skateboard in the future, what do you hope skateboarding can bring to her? What life lessons do you think that skateboarding can pass on? to the future generation. There you go. That's my question. <laughs> nice. I thought this would be a good uh, conclusion. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, well, it's funny because Sunny is already, she really already loves skateboarding. You can tell. Yeah, yeah. When I put her on the board, she gets super excited. Yeah, big smile so, on her face. So yeah. I mean, obviously, <laughs> she's she's she sees skaters every day, you yeah. know, so she's going to be influenced by that. Yeah. And if she wants to skate, I'll be stoked. If she doesn't want to skate, of course, I will never force her to do of anything. Yeah. But um, if she does, what I hope it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring to her is uh, just an open mind. Mm -hmm. You know, skateboarding opens your mind to, uh, to the world, to other people, to other cultures. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just makes you want to go towards people. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least that's my experience, you know. Yeah. It made me want to go towards people. It made me want to go see the world. made me want to go meet other communities around the world and, and understand how they live why do they do this like this why do they skate this way you know mm -hmm. and um, for me it's just a great way to, to connect and yep. to make your own soul more rich you know mm -hmm. so I hope that that's what skateboarding can bring to yeah. Sunny if she decides to skate yeah, yeah. well the future will tell <laughs> <laughs> so yeah thank you Leo thank, thank you, so, you much. so much it was fun thank you That's it for my conversation with Leo. Follow him on Instagram at LeoValsConnected to learn more about Leo and his wife Lauren's yoga and skate course Namaskate. Check out their Instagram at Namaskate underscore yoga for skaters. Keep an eye out for Magenta's Dress Cruise 2 coming very soon. And while you're waiting, go watch some of Leo's video parts for Magenta or in the Bordeaux Exposure 3 video. I'll put some links up in the description. Thank you for tuning in. See you soon for a new episode of Beyond Boards. Yeah.